Hey friends, welcome to the Addiction Nutritionist Podcast. I'm Kelly Miller, nutrition therapist, health and wellness recovery coach, and certified nutrition nerd. On this podcast, we talk about all things health and wellness and recovery. We talk about pause and nutrition for post-acute withdrawal syndrome. We talk about biochemical repair and amino acid therapy. We even get into food addiction. We want this platform to be your number one resource for creating health and wellness and recovery so you can stop self-sabotaging habits for good. If you're tired of feeling stuck and you're ready to take action and learn how to build healthy habits and recovery, this podcast is for you. When you recover well, there's just no oxygen for addiction to survive. Let's create wellness together and start today's episode. All right. Welcome everyone back to the Addiction Nutritionist podcast. I have an amazing guest for you guys today, my friend, Michael Clark, who is going to share so much awesome information with us today. He's got an interesting backstory. And the reason that I'm having him on the podcast is today is because when I originally heard his story, I thought this is so incredibly relatable. And I know so many men that are going through similar struggles that Mikkel went through and decided to completely take a challenging and stressful situation and turn it into a huge life change that has benefited him and his family in so many different ways. So I can't wait to introduce you to Mikkel. I'm going to read his bio in just a minute, but first we're going to share the food sponsor. So as you know, I ask all of my guests to share some of their favorite foods with me. And Mikkel shared that tri-tip is one of his favorite foods. And at first I was like, well, we've done steak before, but then I looked into tri-tip and I thought, no, let's totally go with tri-tip because there's definitely some unique benefits to that cut of meat. And so I'll just share really quickly some of the benefits. The first benefit is that it's rich in B6 and B12. So if you've listened to this podcast before, you know anything about mental health and nutrition, you know that B6 and B12 are non-negotiable. These are two of the ingredients or nutrients, nutrients, I should say, we actually need in our diet every single day to support mood and mental health. It is so easy to sort of Uh, become borderline deficient in these nutrients and start to see those things show up in symptoms in our mood. So love that tri-tip is rich in B6 and B12. It also is packed full of other great nutrients, including iron, which we know is really important for energy and all sorts of other things. Um, It's a great source of protein, but one of the things I learned about the tri-tip cut is that it's considered a lean source of protein, which we're always talking about getting good quality, lean sources of protein. And I'll just throw out there too, because we do get a lot of questions about, do you have to buy like organic or grass fed or grass finished? And I would say that if you're primarily buying meats that are considered lean, it's much less of a worry. If you are eating really fatty cuts of steak or beef, then that's when you want to make sure that you're getting stuff grass fed because animals just like humans store their toxins in their fat. Um, But so many other great uh, nutrients in here, phosphorus, great for your bones, selenium, great for your thyroid, choline. I just want to highlight choline for a minute. Choline um, has had a lot of research around it in the last few years as being a nutrient that they're finding most people are not getting enough of. And the reason choline is important, just one of the reasons is that it helps to keep fat off of your liver. So if you're already in the beginning stages of developing like fatty liver disease, or you're getting little fat pockets in your liver, choline helps to clean that up and actually strip fat off of your liver. Eggs is a great source of choline, but apparently so is tritip. So make sure you're getting your choline rich foods in there. Um, so yeah, Awesome, awesome choice. And before I, I share your bio, Mikkel, you did share with me that tri-tip is amazing because of your special marinade. So I would love to know <laughs> if you would just share with us what you're putting in this top secret special marinade sauce. Yeah, you know, um, I 
I share tri-tip and, it, you know, I'm a simple guy for the most part, right? I, I like my, I like my steak. I like my chicken, et cetera. And, but the things that makes it different is like how you prepare it. So for me, um, 24 hours, at least sometimes 48, if we have the time, um, marinating it. And typically my wife and I, so my wife actually came up with this marinade, um, and it, it really includes some simple things you'd find around the house, orange juice or stuff you can buy really easily. Orange juice is one of them. Coconut aminos instead of soy sauce. So we use coconut aminos, uh, salt and pepper, garlic, um, typically avocado oil because it can sustain the high heat in a, in a cooker or in a, on a pellet stove um, or on the grill itself. Um, a little bit of brown sugar, just add a little bit of sweetness, just a little bit of that. And then we usually use a really dark beer. And the reason we use a dark beer is because the alcohol burns off, but what it does is it helps kind of, um, make the meat a little bit more tender, especially when you're buying uh, grocery store meat. And, you know, sometimes you get a tough cut or something like that. It helps break that down a little bit. So the longer it spends in that, um, the better it, uh, it comes out. So that's, that's kind of our secret sauce, if you will. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. You, you've been introduced to the secret sauce for Michael's <laughs> tri-tip. And I will also just throw out there that if anybody's listening and you have concerns about, you know, um, grilling meat, charring meat, that sort of thing, the reason that that can be um, an issue is because it creates something called AGEs, which is advanced glycation end products. But when you marinate the meat and the longer you marinate it, the better it massively and dramatically reduces those end products. And so that is a, a fantastic way to like enhance the quality and the health um, of that food. So I, I love that. That's amazing. Um, okay. Yeah. Let me read uh, bios Mickle's uh, bio real quick, and then we will get into it. So in 2013, Mickle found himself overweight and unhappy experiencing two emergency room trips due to stress. However, at a turning point in 2014, he embarked on a journey of growth leading to immense physical, mental, and spiritual development that continues today. Now at age 50, he has made it his mission to help others build a strong foundation of health and well-being by providing coaching and tools to help individuals and their families achieve their goals. Mikkel is a certified CrossFit level one trainer and a precision nutrition master coach. Um, that's where Mikkel and I met through precision nutrition. Um, and he's happily married with a 10 year old son and lives in Marin County, California. Um, yeah, you know, by the way, I think when I first met you and I saw your Facebook pro profile, I saw the name of the town that you lived in. I used to live in Southern California, but I never made it up to Northern California. And I was like, oh, I never heard of this town. So I Googled images of it and I was like, how cute. <laughs> what What's the name of the town? So we live in Nevada, California in Marin yeah. County. And um, yeah, it's um, there's the an inevitable price tag that comes along with living in a beautiful place. Of course. So. <laughs> I know, but it just looks like one of those cute little picturesque towns you see on television, you know. And absolutely, like, no, we we love it. I grew up yeah. here, and it's a place you say that I'll never live. And then you, you know, as you're growing up, and then all of a sudden you find you're raising your family here, and you love it, and you never <laughs> leave. So awesome! Oh, I love it. Okay, um, so let's introduce who you are to the audience. Sure. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your backstory and how that led into you making kind of this massive change in in midlife. Sure. Um, pretty deep story. So, um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll touch the high level points and anywhere you want to dig, you know, just, you know, ask away. Um, it really started back in, I would say somewhere around 2011. Um, I was looking through calendars last night and trying to figure out 
more specifically um, through doctor records, like when I first visited the doctor. But long story short, um, I found myself in a position, I was working a job. Um, I had been working, see, in 2013, that had been almost, I'm sorry, 2011. That would have been almost uh, seven years, I believe it was. And um, I was in a newer position. I was running an entire region um, of a market in for a large retailer. And uh, I was constantly, my phone's always ringing. You're like, you never are off. So uh, of course that in itself creates a little bit of level of stress. So a little bit new for me, but, um, but I found myself, um, I had a team that I used to travel around with. So I had a trainer and a couple other people that I used to travel around with, loved to travel with them. And it was a lot of fun, but um, I'll never forget the day we were sitting outside of a location we had just opened. And one of the, one of my friends, you know, reached over and they poked at my belly and they're like, what the heck's that? Are you pregnant? And I'm like, oh my God, you have to be kidding me. And like, I never noticed it on me before. Cause I've always been a fairly thin, like I'm the kid in high school that like can't gain an ounce of weight. And then all of a sudden, I'm, you know, you know, almost 40 years old and like, I'm, you know, I'm a pot belly, you know? So the um, belly. yeah. So um, it was interesting. So that was kind of like the first sign that like, I, it was kind of like the, okay, I, I I'm, I'm aware now. Um, and, but I, I didn't really do anything about it. Um, it wasn't too much long after that happened that, uh, I was sitting, I had a home office at the time and I was sitting at my home office, working at my computer. My wife was in the other room and I remember sitting at the computer and I was, I, I don't even remember what I was stressed about. Whatever had come on during that day, I was just, it was done. Like, you know, it was seven o'clock at night. We're about to have dinner. And all I remember is sitting at the desk and I had my hands on the table and all of a sudden I felt myself blacking out and starting to like, fall. I couldn't hold myself up anymore. I collapsed to the floor and I remember trying to yell for my wife. And I remember seeing her kind of at the end of the hallway, looking down the hallway at me going, oh my God, what is happening? And I was like crawling to the door, like trying to make it to the door. And, um, she got me up off the floor. She ran me into, or ran me. She like basically carried me to the chair and I sat in the chair and I remember sitting there going, what just happened to me? And I remember she's in tears. She's calling her dad who at the time um, was, you know, about to retire as an ER doctor. So it was, you know, like who's the best person to call, you know, <laughs> not 911, yeah. but who's the best person to call in this situation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was lucid. So it was, there was nothing, I hadn't completely blacked out at that moment. But um, but it it was enough to put a scare in me. But the interesting thing about that time and kind of a part of the message that I want to make sure gets conveyed in this is that um, don't ignore things like this when they happen. So for me at that time, um, I'd never dealt with anything like this before. Um, I was young and felt, you know, pretty healthy, even though I just got pointed out that I was gaining weight <laughs> mm -hmm. and I ignored it. And I said to my wife, who was in tears at the time, and her dad wants to talk to me on the phone. I'm like, I don't want to talk to your dad. He's going to tell me to you know, go to the hospital. And I don't want to. Um, he told me exactly that. And I said, yo, you know, let's, let me see how I feel, blah, blah, blah. And, and of course, my first words out of my mouth after I hung up the phone to my wife was, um, well, the steaks are out. Um, we just paid for these you know, beautiful fillets. Let's at least cook those first before we go to the doctor. This is how important to my health is at the time. Yeah. So um, that was the start of it. And that um, scared how the heck out of me. How old were you again? When that so was, like, that would have put me, that would have put me, 
So I'm 50 now and it is 2023. So 2013, I would have been 40. So 38, mm-hmm. I guess at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's young. Like that doesn't happen to people that are 38 years old. Turns mm-hmm. out that's not the case, but mm-hmm. um, it took about 24 hours for me to finally tell my wife, okay, take me to the doctor. And of course, you know, I come in, I tell them the symptoms immediately. They like, I'm the, the waiting room's full. They have me in the ER and they have me doing tests and, you know, they kept me for a little while, you know, just to make sure I didn't have a heart attack. Um, don't remember all the details of that experience in the hospital. Cause that was the first one, but um, basically they let me go. Um, they asked me to go see a primary care physician. They gave me a couple names. And of course, what did I do? Ignored it and didn't do anything about it mm-hmm. after that. So that was kind of like the beginning point for everything that has happened to me and what led me to today. Mm-hmm. Um, that came about again. So in 2013, it was summer, almost, I think it was August actually of 2013. That happened to me again. Um, and it was a lot more dramatic this time to the point where I had to have my wife put me in the car and take me to the emergency room. It was 11 o'clock at night. And they admitted me immediately, ran scans on me. They, they kept me overnight, basically, to check to make sure, I, you know, I literally, it was at the point where I literally thought I would die. Mm-hmm. And it like the fear comes up in your head and you're like, oh my God, I'm actually going to die. What if I don't live through this? Mm-hmm. And at that point, I had a one-year-old son. So my son was born in 2012. And so now like there's a whole new dimension to how you respond to things that happen to you that threaten your life or, you know, the well-being of your family, et cetera. So um, that was, uh, that was quite the wake up call. They let, they released me sometime in the morning. I never slept that night really, but, um, uh, it was at that point when I realized I was letting stress get the best of me mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to manage it. I like, I was clueless as what to do about it. I didn't know that it, I always wanted to look for something that was specifically like, you know, cause and effect. I wanted to see what is the cause, right? Is it something I'm putting in my body, which would seem obvious to me, right, at the time, that is creating this problem I'm having? And, you know, it (laughs) turned out that it was far more complicated than that, because at the same time, my job, um, there are times, so I was was moving on to close to 10 years with that job. I think it was really nine years at that time. And... uh, it's like, you can smell the change that's happening. Like if you've ever worked in a corporate gig, you kind of like, sometimes you can smell change happening. And mm-hmm. and I, I kind of say that with a, like, you know, with a smile on my face, but it, it's true. Like that you can smell the change coming. You can like feel it. Like there's something's not, something's off. And it was the first time I'd ever felt that in the time I was there. And so that was creating an elevated level of stress in me. And mm-hmm. I didn't know how to manage it because what it created for me was an unknown that I couldn't control. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later into the next year that um, I had to make a tough decision. And that was 2014. That leads me to 2014 in May of that year when I knew things were changing. Um, my career was at stake. Um, and quite honestly, a lot of people's careers were at stake at that point. And so I had to make a decision. And my wife, I remember her talking to me that she said, you need to make a decision for our family that's going to keep you healthy and around for a long time because you've got a kid here that knows that you're stressed out and I can see it. Like he, he senses it. Mm. And that was like, Oh my God. So, you know, you know, I spend my days in tears and this month of May, because now I've got like two things that I'm fighting with. It's the the fight of like, how do I keep my ham- family provided for? Um, and it was like, how do I stay around and, you know, healthy and alive for this? Mm. 
So I had to make the decision that it was time to resign from my career. Mm-hmm. And at that time, that was a really tough decision because I didn't know what I was going to do. The, the, the one thing I had was that I knew I had at least six months of leeway that as long as I could get into a new career at that time, which I'd already been seeking, um, I should be okay. But after that, we, you know, things start getting sketchy. So it was like, you know, you're adding a layer of stress that another unknown to an unknown that you're already solving for. So it's like, you know, an ever, I don't want to say cascading, but it's like, it's like it constantly builds. Like there's, there's always a new level of stress and it's how you manage it along the way that you you kind of, kind of figure out. So that was kind of like me saying, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to trade this stress. It's obviously killing me for something new that I'll have to figure out and manage. And so were that's there what I did. specific things you were doing in that time period of transition to relearn how you were managing stress? Was was that happening for you yet? So when I left my career, um, I just told myself I had to get through that because uh, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. I never, you know, I, I can't think of anything else that was harder up to that point in my life that I had to deal with. Because there's the emotional attachment you have to your career. It's kind of becomes kind of your identity. Um, I had a huge team that I loved and I felt like I was letting them down by walking, walking away. So it was like, it was like me or them kind of thing. Cause they were kind of family for me. Mm. So there was a lot of elements to that. But I, when I made that decision, I had to do that because I, I was at risk. I had to like, it was like, you got to think of number one here and family, obviously you're a direct family. So I had to make that decision. Um, so I did that. And at that point, I didn't know, I didn't have the tools, right? But my wife, who's very wise, uh, who happens to be a nurse as well, um, that was the other reason it was made a little bit easier. She had a good career. Um, is she told me, um, I need you to do what you love. And so, and she's like, you haven't surfed in endless. Um, and for me, you know, I, I grew up, you know, as a teenager surfing. So it's been, I'd been surfing for almost 30 years and me not being at the beach was already a problem. Like that <laughs> created its own stress. Right. So yeah. I hadn't done it in, in so long or very little, I would say to like go to the beach, get out of the house. And that was the beginning of my therapy. That was like, it was my wife telling me to go to the beach. That was the yes. beginning of my therapy. I love that. So it was, um, it was through that. And I, I'll never forget it. Cause I was like kind of new to social media at the time. And I remember I had my first, like the, my first post out of that was like me going to the beach and like, uh, you know, this is my, I can, my first, this is my, this is like my trial by fire. This is my, like my time. I'm going to give back to myself, um, for this, you know, next period of whatever that was at the time. I didn't know how long I was going to be, you know, free, if you will. Mm-hmm. But um, it was the first summer that I had not had a job in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I took advantage of it. I went to the beach every day and it like, it allowed me to begin to heal a bit. And that was kind of the start of that for me. I just want to hit pause because I think this is so important. What you did, I think other people dream about and they convince themselves it's not possible, right? You get like 20 years or 20 more years, you're, you're building your career. You're working towards these great things. You're always trying to move up. And we get so invested in those things that we've spent so much of our working years in. And to Mm. think of, I want this other thing, but I think it's maybe not possible and it might be too scary. And what if it makes everything worse, you know, but you did it. And I, and I also want to touch the whole point of me saying that is, is yeah, it's scary, but sometimes we still have to make that leap for 
in order to be able to enjoy those other things, which is health and more time with our family. But the other thing I just want to touch on before you keep going is the surfing piece, because we as a society have become so accustomed to living in these little cubicles and boxes and like punching the card in and punching (laughs) the card out. And we've lost that sense of play. We've lost that primal need of we have to have an outlet, whether it's creativity or play or throwing Frisbee or like whatever it is. So I love that you decided to reintegrate that back into your life and you you realize what what a deep need that it was for you. Um, and you just you just dove right back into it. So that's a really important piece that I wanted to highlight. You know, it's um, like you said, it's a lot easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, that was a struggle. Like I said, it was a struggle for me to make that decision mm-hmm. uh, because you're right. It, your identity when you walk away, I. I think I wrote in my journals at the time, um, which I'll touch on here in a little bit, but I think I wrote in my d- journals at the time that um, it took me about three months to like mentally recover mm-hmm. and pull myself out of that identity I had um, in the role that I played in that career, right? Um, you know, it's like, you know, when you have a, your identity gets tied to the people you work with, um, the time you spend, the effort you put in, um, but also too, you future think. So you, you, um, you time travel, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to retire here. This is what I'm retire. This is what it's going to be like. You know, like yeah. you've already well thought out what that's going to be like. So being able to decouple from that is so hard and it takes a lot of soul searching. And so, yes, the out, being outside playing for me, it was a connection to the ocean um, was so critical because without that, uh, it would have been, it would have made it a lot harder. Mm. It sounds like you got back a piece of your true identity, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. It was. So it, I will say it was the start. It was like that kickstart, right? It was, it reminded me of who I was and what I loved. Mm. And at that time it was, it was me reminding myself how much I love the ocean, mm-hmm. the, um, Never knowing what to expect when you enter the ocean, um, the you know, the weather can be different. You never know what the waves are going to be like, or the all the little nuances that come with that. Yeah. It's it's um, it's it's exhilarating. The connection you have to the to to everything around you is like there's. I can't really explain it other than that. It's sure. there's no experience quite like that for me that I've experienced. So um, that was really important to me. So it's uh, that that was something that I was able to lean back on and remind myself of. And so um, that was that was great. Oh, so now oh, it's like it's a barometer for me. And so I know when I get disconnected from that again, I know I'm a little off track and I need to rebalance. So it's like, okay, I'm a little off. I'm a little off track. So I got to swing the needle back here again. Yeah. So. It it's, takes it's you very back helpful. to that center, which is easier to spring back from if you get if you get too far away from that center. We have 100%. another episode where we talk about natural highs, and that person, um, it was rock climbing for him. But I, I just mm-hmm. this is it's different for everybody. But reconnecting to nature, which is a, a, a deeply integrated part of who we are, and that mm. essence of play. And oh my gosh, I love that you said you never know what to expect when you get in the ocean. So it's sort of like that childlike curiosity and excitement is so uh-huh. important to touch, touch base with. Yeah. You know, um, that was a really important piece. So the next piece, um, will be helpful. I think for those that 
don't have or don't think they have that connection to whatever it is, their their play element, right? Mm. So I I do know several people that have had to make tough choices in their life like that, and they didn't have anything to roll back on, so they had to go find it. Mm. Um, and so I had a little bit of that as well. So it was late July. Um, my wife again, um, so it's like kicking you out of the house. You need to get yourself together. And, uh, because there was, there was still a level of stress in me that I hadn't figured out. Like, so the serving piece helped, but I'm now it's like my purpose has been lost. Mm. Um, and though, though the surfing element for me and that, that part of me that needed to reconnect was truly important. Um, I was also now using it as a distraction from defining what my purpose was again and where I'm going next. Mm. So at that time it was like, okay, my, it was like my wife, you know, <laughs> telling me again, I need you to go kind of self-discover what's your purpose here. Like here's a passage was like a group on at the time. It was a uh, 20, it was 2014. Um, and she goes, there's a gym down the way. Uh, it's a CrossFit gym. Have you heard of CrossFit? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, whatever. And she's like, it's a free, you know, or it was like a hundred bucks. I don't remember what it was, yeah. but it was like a 90 day pass or a fun trial. Right. And so she's like, just go do it. And she just gave me the thing. And she's like, go talk to this guy, Andy, or whatever it was, you know? And, and so like, Good for her, can I just say yay for wives? <laughs> <laughs> I, she sounds I amazing. You. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, 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 there's moments of course that you're like, she doesn't seem that amazing. Then when you reflect back on it, you're like, God, she saved me so many times. It's not even uh, funny. Yeah. Um, but she, uh, so she bought me this group on to go do this. And I remember I took a photo of myself walking into this gym on day one and it was just of my shadow and I'm, you know, and I'm like thinking, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I will not last more than seven days in this place. I don't know what all of this stuff is. What are these people doing? You know, like, it's uh-huh. like, I literally knew nothing about it other than totally what I boring. kind of like heard. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I walk in and the the community aspect of the place like kind of blew my mind and i ended up like loving it within my first few days and next thing i know i'm like i'm like how do i do more of this and you know 90 days is up and it's like okay you know it's like are you going to join the gym or not and it was it was a, no question for me and it was again it was me finding something that uh that challenged me in a way that i didn't know i could do before Things I had never imagined I would be able to do, you know, going to a 24 hour fitness or a gold gym or whatever. Like I never knew my body was capable of some of the things I was doing. Mm. And I remember in October that year, I looked at one of the coaches who totally laughed at me. Uh, but I remember being on this assault bike, you know, like doing my pulling and, you know, turn my feet and yeah, I go, Hey, his name was Corey. I'm like, Hey, Corey, I'm going to be a coach. And he goes, huh? And he just like looked at me and he laughed. He goes, yeah, whatever, we'll see. And literally a year later, I got, I went and got my, uh, I went and got certified as level one uh, CrossFit instructor. And it started me on this kind of journey that I'm on now. So it was like the beginning of everything that changed. So, um, but it added one more component for me to help me manage stress. It helped me help define more of who I was and what my mission in life was. Yeah. Um, It also opened up, um, a whole new world of things that I had never thought about before. Mm. Um, and it really got me down this kind of path of um, being curious, um, playing more, exploring more, figuring out what my body's capable of. But even more importantly, it got me into a whole 
mindset piece where I started exploring the mind and that led me down a path of like of this like spiritual kind of exploration. I mean, I can't tell you that just the, the, this one thing that just like opened up all these doors that I had never expected before. And, um, and it was pretty amazing. So um, that led me obviously to where I am now. And then, yeah. you know, later on other things that happened in my life, but um, it was, it was remaining curious really for me um, and just going out and exploring new things. That was, that was the only way I could really describe it. Yeah. Um, and being okay with the little bit of stress that creates, right. Cause it creates a little bit of stress. Every time you try something new, you don't know what to expect and mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to be judged or not. And so yeah. um, it was a really, it was a really amazing experience. That's, this is why I love your story so much. And I knew that we had to have it on the podcast because I do believe it's going to resonate with so many people, but especially men in that sort of like thirties, forties, fifties, midlife kind of area where they're feeling the crushing weight of the stress and maybe not quite as much satisfaction as they had hoped for in their career and having that inner sense that something needs to change, but maybe Mm. not quite getting their finger on it, you know, and you had these two really dramatic ER visits that were sort of the catalyst for you making these changes. But the important thing here is that you were willing to, even though the first time you ignored it, the second time really, uh, you know, it got your attention and you were willing to enter the unknown and experience some of that stress, which in, you know, in our world, we call that you stress, which Mm -hmm. is, it's a good, healthy stress. Um, It's the kind of stress that's a little bit more exciting and things on the other side of it might be more beneficial. Like exercise is a, is a good type of stress, but you were Mm -hmm. willing to enter the unknown and take on those new challenges and just be open to the idea that, all right, the first half of my life played out this way, but maybe so much better is on the other side. If I'm willing to just see what the world is going to show me. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you took those faithful steps and going Mm -hmm. back to surfing and trying the new challenge of going to CrossFit. And it was revealed to you in that process of like, yes, Mikkel, you're coming back to who you were actually supposed to be. And maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe everything you did before was a part of your story, but it's like a whole new enterprise, a whole new exciting stage and season of life to enter. And so, um, amazing, amazing story. And I love that you were able, um, to be really aware that something needed to change and then just mm. be willing to see what's it going to be, you know? Yeah. I would, um, I would say that the more tools that I built um, for my arsenal, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that I could attack stress with down the line was so beneficial. Um, you know, obviously surfing was the easy one, right. It was part of my life already. I added something new that I discovered I liked, and that was CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Um, starting to be curious and starting to explore movement. Uh, breath was another thing that was huge for me. Um, I got really involved with like, I would dig, like I would get up at 5 a.m. and I would listen to podcasts. I would listen to watch videos, like anything that I could explore and nothing was off the table. Mm-hmm. Like if you could see some of the far out stuff I was looking into just to kind of discover, like what is what is out there? What are we capable of? Like, all of those things, like you wouldn't believe it. You'd laugh. You'd be like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm like, nope, hundred percent. I went down that path, but it just, all it did was it allowed me to kind of understand that um, when we can remain curious and try new things, you'd be surprised at the things that, that come out of it and they can become your own in your own way. 
Mm-hmm. One of those things that came out of that was uh, journaling for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had done a little bit of it early in my life. Like I was really into personal development in the nineties and I'd like go to seminars and like, you name yeah. it. So like, I've seen everybody. Yeah. Um, but journaling for me was really important and it helped me reflect on what was going on in my life. Um, and I took a lot of like deep notes. Like I would write in the morning, I would write at night, I would write in the afternoon, whenever, whenever it felt like I just needed to kind of understand what was going on. It was really helpful for me. And I had a lot of ways I would do that, um, that became important to me. Um, but it was just another tool in the toolbox. It allowed me to get through times that were tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of those things when I started to discover nutrition. So obviously out of CrossFit, you know, you can't mm-hmm. do CrossFit without <laughs> the conversation of nutrition coming in. Like, right. Why am I tired after this workout? Why do I, uh, why am I not gaining more muscle with blah, 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 you know, the whole story. So mm-hmm. that led me down a path of, of, of nutrition and learning, digging deeper into the CrossFit methodology, but also the nutrition side of the, of the methodology. But that is where I discovered precision nutrition. Mm-hmm. And it was 28, when was it? I think it was 2019. Uh, I think I did the cohort late 2018, early 2019 for precision nutrition, the level one mm-hmm. to you know become a certified nutrition coach. And at that time it was a year long. I think it still is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember my life, my wife looked at me and she's like, are you crazy? And at this time I, you know, I'd started a new career. So I had a brand new career. I started with a company I'd been dying to work for, for decades, yeah. not decades, but a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so I was, I was now teaching CrossFit at five fifteen in the morning. I was going to work at this new career. I was studying to be a nutrition coach. Mm-hmm. And so like I'm piling stuff on again. Right. Yeah. But again, these are all tools I'm adding. And the, here's where it got really interesting for me is when I was going to work and people started to see the actions I was taking in this career. Cause I worked with hundreds of people a day. Like mm-hmm. it was, it, it was a, uh, and it was an amazing environment. But the interesting part was, is that they all were watching what I was doing mm-hmm. and it was having an impact. Like each one, each person, when they would identify something in me that I was doing, whether it was me walking in with my 64 ounce jug of water every yeah. day or like my home prep meals or like, they're like, what are you doing? Or like, I'd be in the, in the back room with a yoga mat, like down. And I'd be like doing stretching, like not like to like, I'd be hiding, like, you know, just yeah. like, I gotta go do my movement. And they'd be like, what are you doing? And like, then people would get down and like do it with me. And so it, I realized as I'm learning all these new skills and things, um, it was, it, it was rubbing off on others oh. and it was having a positive impact. And it allowed me to do new things that I never thought I would be doing. Like I took groups of people from work and I started a class within the gym outside of normal, regular scheduled classes and, and created a course for them where they could come down and learn basic movement patterns and feel what it feels like to get your uh, heart rate elevated and move hard, heavy things and, and make it difficult. And it was, it was so much fun. And some of those people today are, are doing fitness stuff. And they're yeah. doing, they're like pursuing health. And I coached a lot of them um, while I was there. And then after, and I mean, it was, it was such an amazing experience and it made me realize why I love coaching so much um, mm-hmm. because of the impact it has on others. And so mm-hmm. thus, that's how I met you, you know, going mm-hmm. through level two of the precision nutrition coaching certification for the second time. 
Mm-hmm. But um, it made me realize that my my journey in life is not over. It's just starting. Mm. Um, and that's why I find myself today in a, you know, a whole new role in my life, um, making some really dramatic changes oh, <laughs> that most people God. don't make when they're 50 years old. So um, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been quite the, um, quite the journey. Yeah. But it's never too late. And that's what your story shows. It's never too late to make these changes. And I also Mm. love that impact that you have. Like you didn't go into your office and be like, I'm Mickle and I'm going to tell everybody how to start eating better (laughs) and watch my movements. And if you're not doing this, you're not taking care of yourself. Like you, you have that air about you where you're just like this happy go lucky kind of guy and you're super friendly and you just have this aura that I can, I can see how that manifested in other people just being like, man, what's he up to? Like, I want more of that, you know? Mm. And that's how, that's how you do it too. Right. Like it was an organic process. You were just doing your thing, trying to live your best life and be the best version of yourself. And it had this massive impact on the people around you. Um, man, I just love that so much. It's just, it's such a, it's such a great example. I think to others who can identify with parts of your story and need that little bit of courage to just do something, make a little change, start thinking, becoming more aware. So let's hit the fast forward button. Like, where are you at now? Because I know you're, you've got your own coaching business and um, mm. I, know I was reading up about it on the website and we've talked about it. You know, you talk about kind of these three primary principles of strengthening the body, cultivating the spirit and guarding the mind. And I just love that. Um, so if you want to expand on that and tell us what you're doing now, that would be awesome. A hundred percent. So um, last year in... I guess it was May. So we jumped over a lot and I'll spare because we could go on forever, but uh, there's a lot more instances that happened in my life that um, sent me down this path. Um, so I've skipped over a lot of things, but a couple of things happened where, you know, I, I had a back surgery and um, a couple other things that I discovered, you know, that, you know, create new stress and you have to find new tools to solve these. So at least now I have this like framework that I can work through. Yeah. <laughs> but what it led me to was last year, um, realizing after almost 10 years with this new company that it was time to make a change again. I had recognized at the same time that I had been here before back in 2013 and I knew I'm like, it's time. And I remember my wife and I had got, um, it's, it's during COVID, like, you know, most people bought a dog or a new cat or like some animal. And like we went out and bought a trailer <laughs> and, uh, so we uh, we got super like into going around and trailering. Another thing that uh, that has been super amazing in our life that's altered the course of my life as well. But that time that's for another story. Um, but uh, I remember sitting out. We were sitting by a campfire, and I looked at her and I said, "We need to talk about me leaving my career again." And this is how I, you know, I had to like. Anytime I talk to my wife about a big change that's going to happen, like I have to like sell her. It's like you know. It's like you're trying to get promoted. And so like, uh-huh. I have to sell her on my story. Like I have to come with a business plan. Or, like, yeah. Anyway, so I, I shared the story with her. But the interesting thing was I was so afraid of her reaction. And and she goes, she kind of looked at me and go, I know. I know it's time. And so it was, um, you know, the conversation was longer than that. But we we planned it. And I had to make a decision that I was going to leave. And the reason was, was because I knew that my my destiny was not to retire in a company that I'm working for somebody else's goals that I needed to work for me. And my mission was for me to coach and help other people. Mm. Um, and I had already been doing it on the side of, you know, working in this career. Mm-hmm. And 
I just had to take a leap of faith. Like I had to jump off into the deep end and be like, okay, we got to do this. Mm. We planned for it. I jumped off the deep end. Um, and I was, you know, I was already working with clients at the time. Um, and I just, I just went headfirst into coaching and it's changed a little how I've done it since last year. Um, and I'm actually in the process of redefining how I'm going to continue to work forward because my goal is to be able to impact more people rather because I can only do so much mm-hmm. with one-on-one coaching. And I love doing one-on-one coaching. It's one of my favorite things. Actually, group coaching is my favorite because yeah. I love getting up in front of people and talking. But I'm trying to identify right now, how do I have an impact to a greater audience? So part of what I'm doing right now as as I'm working one-on-one with clients, I'm also coaching at the gym again, which I went back to. I had left for a couple of years and I, I, did, I, I realized that that was something important I needed to do. So I went back in January to do that. Um, and again, the doors are swinging wide open for me. I mean, the, the things that, um, that come to you when you kind of open yourself up and you get out and you start experiencing new things again and getting in front of people again and creating community again and all of these things, the things that come back to you, especially when you're giving are so incredible. Um, so it's forced me now to like stand back and look at, you know, what are next steps for me? And so for me, it's defining how I coach one-on-one and also how I'm going to deliver a broader message. Um, I mean, I've had dreams in the past and we get us get into this a whole nother, some other time, but of me speaking and doing speaking engagements in front of large groups of people, I've, I, I learned skills that most people are scared of in, in my careers in the past or, you know, speaking in front of a lot of people is really easy for me now. Um, and it's my favorite thing to do, especially in groups. So um, how do I take that and, implement that and, and deliver the message that I want to deliver. So um, my, my coaching business is in the process of changing. That doesn't mean I've stopped one-on-one coaching. I'm just redefining it mm-hmm. uh, because I want to be able to create tools that people can use, but in a different way than I've seen most people deliver, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've got a lot of work ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, you know, pursuing other things right now um, with the, these new certifications that board certifications that we're pursuing. And I think you are too. Mm-hmm. Um, there adds a whole new uh, dimension to how I'm approaching this as well. So um, lots of things to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so great. So you, we've talked about a lot of really big changes that you made in your life, but if we were to talk about you today and you had to sort of, we, on this podcast, we talk a lot about what we call the pillars of recovery. And we believe mm-hmm. at, you know, that Nikki and I, my co-host, we believe that everybody is in recovery from something. And yeah. so when we hear your story, I, you know, I think of you're in recovery from learning how to manage stress, right? You went from a 100%. sort of disorganized, maladaptive coping strategies to new healthy coping strategies. So if you had to sort of uh, summarize for us what the pillars are of your recovery from stress, the things that prop you up every day and in the different seasons of your life, what would you say those are now? So on my website, and you kind of alluded to this already, um, I have three things that I've been standing by since the very beginning. And they're the kind of the things that um, have helped me through everything that I've gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, number one is free the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by free the mind is I learned long ago that you got to kind of stand guard at the gate of your mind um, <laughs> because you can let all kinds of stuff in. And if you never 
discriminate against what's coming in, mm. the influence it can have on you um, could not be in your best interest. Wow. So for me, feeding the mind, being open to new things, which is something I talked about earlier, uh, being curious, but also making sure that you're filtering what's coming in because we already have enough information coming at us in any given day, especially if, you know, the TV's on a lot or the radio's on the things like we go to work and we hear things. Um, you've got your influence of your friends. We have enough of that coming in and sometimes we can't filter that, but we can control what we read. We can control what we watch. We can control the things we're thinking about, right? So we've got to really protect that. And once we can find a way to do that, you know, for me, it was turning off the TV, stop reading the news. If something important happens, we'll find out about it. Yes. Reading books that inspire me. Mm. Um, I do a lot. I don't do a lot of, I do some, like, I like science fiction and like fantasy novels, but I don't read a ton of it. Um, what I really spend my time looking at is how I can become a better person. How can I coach somebody to be a better person? What are tools I can find out there in nonfiction land, mm -hmm. um, biographies, things like that. So being protective of that is really, really important because it's like the gateway to everything you do, right? The way you think and the thought patterns that you have when you wake up in the morning to the end of the day are all going to influence any outcome you have. So that's really, really important to me. The next piece is strengthening the body. So that doesn't mean that you have to go in and, you know, push your body weight overhead or, you know, pull a heavy barbell off the ground. Like that's what stuff I found I love to do, but challenging the body, finding new movement patterns, ways to play are all super, super important. We know that the loss of muscle as you age mm -hmm. is one of the things that cripple people like my father, um, that reduces the ability to be free, right? It, you, you, you all of a sudden now can't take care of yourself in the same way. You can't play with your grandkids in the same way. I watched this happen with my dad. So it became a mission for me to make sure that I didn't end up like that. So when my son has kids, if he has kids, but I'm assuming he will, that he has kids that I can get down on the floor. I can roll around with them and play with them when I'm 70 or 80 years old. And I can still do all the stuff I love. It may tone down a little bit. It may not look like it does today at 50, but it's so important to, to find natural movement patterns and learn to do them well mm -hmm. and strengthen those muscles that allow you to do that mm -hmm. and continue to do that. That's why protein is important. That's why, again, the muscle building piece is so, so important. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the other piece, right? Um, cultivating the spirit is something that I found to be of probably, I wouldn't say it's the most important, but it's a pillar that's really, really strong. And it can mean multiple things for different people. At some point, you're going to discover in, in the search, you begin to like kind of search for this meaning of life and for who you are. And you begin to realize that the, the world unfolds in really mysterious ways. And when you begin to kind of explore who you are and who you're meant to be, and it leads you down a, a pathway that um, is intriguing to say the least. Mm -hmm. And I would really encourage people to find what that is for them because um, it's, th there's, there's a, 
there's a kind of trust or faith or I don't know how to really explain it to a broad audience, but it's, there's something about it that just makes you feel good inside. And that kind of carries you through the day, whatever that is, but explore that. And the more you explore it, the more you begin to kind of come to the, to the same realizations that most people that explore this come to. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a fascinating lifelong work, I will say. Mm, never finished. <laughs> never finished. Exactly. <laughs> so for me right now at the age of 50, you know, changing my career, I, I look at this as, as long as I keep these pillars in place, I continue to look for the tools that will help me be better. Mm-hmm. And if I can help enough other people do that, um, I look at 50 as like, I was just born again to say, I don't know another term to say it. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm born again. Um, I'm, I'm ready to, you know, rock through my, my, you know, yeah. all the way through my 10 years old to my teens into my twenties again. Like that's how I'm looking at it. Yeah. And, you know, if I live another 50 years, you know, if I live longer than that, you know, whatever, I'm ready and I'm going to make this the best, you know, part or half of my life that I could ever imagine because, you know, there's lots of stuff I wish I had done differently in the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. Now I got the next 50 years to be like, I'm starting again. Here's, here's day one. Here we go. <laughs> yes. I love that so much. The rebirth of Mikkel. <laughs> done. Amazing. Done. Well, I know that you have clearly inspired so many people that are currently around you, as well as I think the impact that we have on our own family is huge too. And your, Mm. your son is young enough that he's watched you go through these transitions and you're so much more well-equipped now to lead him in the direction of discovering his play, his passion, his purpose, and all of those things. But you've also inspired me because I signed up for CrossFit. (laughs) (laughs) You're so funny. I did my first um, on-ramp class or whatever last week. So I'm like, it's a scary thing for me, but I was like, Mikkel is super into it. I've heard other people be super into it. I'm going to try to not be so scared and just put myself out there. Um, So you've inspired me in that way. Um, And I just think that this podcast episode is going to live on for a long time because I'm going to definitely be sending people back towards it to listen to your story. It's so incredibly inspiring. I'm just so inspired that you are willing and brave enough to make those really big changes that have led to a whole new life Um, and a legacy. You're creating a legacy. Mm. You know, I love that. I like that word. Yeah. Where can, I know you said you're restructuring your program right now, but if people want to learn more about you and and things that you're going to be putting out there in the world, where's the best place to find you? My uh, my full name, MickleClark.com. So Mm -hmm. M I K K E L Mm -hmm. um, com is the best place to find me. Uh, My email address is info at MickleClark.com, but that's the best way to get a hold of me. Um, And I'm everything about me is on there. Um, and it will constantly be being updated as we go, especially in the next month or so. Um, I'm putting a little bit more effort into it um, because even thinking as you know, preparing for this podcast, even I'm just preparing for a story that I already know. Yeah. But it brings up new things. So this experience, just doing this, has allowed me to kind of go, oh, you know, there's some like aha moments that come when you do something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, they get you thinking again, and so you'll see some of those those little things kind of start to. To weave themselves in there. It also talks a little bit about my coaching practice, what I do right now. Um, and it also has a, um, a workout as you'll find out here from the CrossFit methodology, um, a workout that I created in honor of my father. Um, it was another tool that I used, the CrossFit tools that I had for me to create a, um, a CrossFit workout, a memorial 
workout in honor of my father, who was a who was an army veteran, um, served in both Vietnam and Korea. So that was another thing that helped me cope through getting through his passing. Um, so again, another tool that allowed me to get to where I am. So you'll find out a little bit more about that. Anything else you want to know? You can just email me. Uh, I love that. My dad also was in the army and served in Vietnam. So that's, uh, I, I love people who, uh, use their creative processes to put those sorts of things out there in the world to, to remember those folks. Um, yeah. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. Um, you are now a part of my community, uh, right you know, since we've, we've met and, uh, the, the, I think the importance of community is just what you were saying earlier when we're sharing our heart and our desires and our vision for our life with others, it can help to refine us and our vision in the process. And so pe- people need people, you know, um, 100%. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your marinade uh, recipe with us. I'm sure it'll be a big hit and you and I will, will catch up soon. So thanks again. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Hey friends, if you loved what you heard today, please consider sharing this episode with a friend, post it on your social media, give us a rating on whatever platform you're listening from today, or give us a review. This really helps us to reach more people and give them hope that they too can reach optimal health and recovery. And for sure, head over to the Addiction Nutritionist website to sign up for our newsletter and check out Recovery U at www.theaddictionnutritionist.com. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you feel inspired today to recover well. Quick disclaimer, Nikki and I are not medical professionals in any way, shape, or form. And nothing on this podcast constitutes medical advice. It is purely for educational purposes only. Please consult your personal team of health professionals before making any changes to your diet, supplements, medication, or lifestyle. Thanks for listening.